0: Thrive Church, how are we doing this morning? Hey, it's great to have you guys with us, and those joining us online from the comfort of your own home and couch, we also welcome you, too. Um, Well, quickly, as Keith talked about fall kickoff, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's a big ask, and it's this. Um, You know, Jesus took his cross, and he didn't carry it the whole way, because he had somebody help him, but he went to the cross for us. He walked to Calvary, right? Here's what I'm going to ask for you to do. I'm not asking you to go to the cross, I'm not asking you to be crucified, but I am asking you to do this on fall kickoff two weeks from now. Two weeks from now, we have an 8.30 service. Most first-time guests are not coming to an 8.30 service, right? Where are they coming? To the 10 a.m. service. Um, if you say, I'm going to come to the 10 a.m. service too, then we're going to fit max capacity, and we can't fit anybody in here. What we don't want to have happen is this. Somebody comes, they're giving God one last chance, they're giving church another chance, and they can't find a seat, and they get turned away. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to come to the 8.30 service. That's early. Ugh, if Jesus rose from the dead, you can get out of bed. Come on, y'all, right? And so, like, like, amen. All y'all clapping, better be 8.30. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all the claps. I can, I can somewhat see some of you out there. But if you will, I am asking this with all sincerity. If you can, please come. We have, we have kids' ministry going, everything going. You'll have your day. Re- I mean, by 9.30, you're done, which is awesome, right? You get to get out and enjoy the fall day or enjoy, uh, if you want to watch NFL football, you can even watch the pregame show. How about that? Um, so make sure that you do that, 8.30 a.m. on the 17th, we're doing that. Well, today we are finishing up a 21-week series in the Book of Acts. Congratulations, you made it, all the way through the Book of Acts. Um, this has been a phenomenal series to teach through this book and share it with you all. And if you have your Bible today, turn to Acts chapter 28, that's Acts 28, the last chapter of the Book of Acts. Well. If you're unfamiliar with the book of Acts or haven't been tracking with us, um, it's really a book that is fact and history and research. If you think the Bible's another religious book full of just fairy tales, and it's something that some man wrote to control people, or you're not even sure, maybe you're a Christian, you're like, I'm just not sure if I really, you know, believe in all of this. I'm not sure if it's really real. The book of Acts should be the turning point for you. There's a guy named Luke who was a non-Jew, like me and you, he was a Gentile. He traveled with the apostle Paul through all of his journeys, and Luke was a doctor who was really key on research and writing. And so he had a friend named Theophilus, and Theophilus was probably wondering about Christianity and maybe he had become a follower of Jesus or was thinking about it. We're not sure who Theophilus was or where he was at in his faith journey, but Luke decided to write him a very long letter called the Gospel of Luke, to explain him about the life of Jesus. And, And Luke researched, Luke talked to people, and he wrote an orderly account, he called it, about the life of Jesus he didn't stop there Luke was such a researcher he was all about the facts and all about you know the the history that he wrote the book of Acts now what is the book of Acts it is the early history of the early church which is 30 to 40 year history of the early church from when Jesus first like Jesus on the on the earth for 40 days after he resurrected rose from the dead 40 days teaching about the kingdom of God and then he ascended to heaven and so the book of Acts is what happened when Jesus ascended the Holy Spirit filled the first believers ever, the church was born, what happened all the way up to the end of the apostle Paul's life? And that's what Luke records. And what's interesting here, the first half of the book of Acts, Luke records it from him looking from the outside in like you and I are doing. It's what they did and they did this and he, and he asked questions and he met with people and he got the, the, the correct history down. But then in Acts 15, here's what's beautiful. He actually joins Paul's team. He goes from they to we. So it's firsthand experience. And we see the spread of Christianity from 120 people in an upper room in Jerusalem. Right after Jesus had had ascended to heaven, it goes from 120 people to now it is a threat to the Roman Empire. It is such a threat to the Roman Empire that now Nero has just taken over here at the end of Paul's life. And Nero is becoming increasingly hateful toward Christians because it is in, infiltrating every city now and it's growing rapidly. And the more that they persecuted Christians and killed Christians, the more it continued to grow. And the Apostle Paul was one of the main reasons for that. You know, he had, had a radical transformation. He was a, a top Jew, he became a follower of Jesus. And then he was then traveling from city to city where nobody ever heard about the resurrection of Jesus, teaching that, that to them seeing people get saved, turning cities upside down. And Paul knew his ultimate goal was this, to get to Rome. He was a Roman citizen and a Jew, which is very unique. And he wanted to share the gospel with the top leaders. He wanted Caesar to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul knew it would ultimately cost him his life if he got there and shared the gospel with Caesar, the leader of the Roman Empire, the greatest empire in that day and time. So now Paul is in Roman imprisonment. He's under house arrest. And he, he lives there for two years. And eventually, history tells us that he was beheaded. What? And some of the, even the legend says that as Paul, as Peter was crucified upside down, Paul was beheaded on the same day. You're wondering why, well, why wasn't Paul also crucified? He was a Roman citizen. You weren't allowed to do that if you're a Roman citizen. You could not crucify a Roman citizen. It was the most brutal form of punishment. And as Paul is here in his last days, we're going to read from the book of Acts and then from 2 Timothy I want you to look at what a man on death row thinks about. A man that he knows is going to lose his life, I want you to look at that, it's so important as we look at that. I want you to realize this as we begin to look at this passage here, there are a couple things I want you to to really understand about today's message. This is very important. You're going to see Paul reflect and talk about some things that are very important. You're going to see emotion, you're going to see him share some things that you wouldn't see in any other religious text of any other culture. And I want to help you today because I believe in our life, here's what happens. We, we kind of get to this place where we have two statements that will ruin your life. Yes, they will ruin your life. And they're, and they're well-meaning. Don't get me wrong, but they're out of context. The first statement that can ruin your life, can, is forget about your past. Bury it. Forget about it. Don't think about it. Just remember, just, just remember the good things, but forget about your past. It's behind you. Now, yes, your past is behind you, but you better not forget about it. Because the second statement that is not true, but we often hear this. Have you ever heard the statement, history will repeat itself? That's a lie. It doesn't have to repeat itself, does it? History can repeat itself. And I want you to, to understand those two statements are detrimental to your walk with the Lord and you growing into all God has for you. And I want you to look at the Apostle Paul and how he counteracted those statements in his own life. And let's start off in Acts 28, verse 30. Verse 30 says, For the next two years Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. Then 2 Timothy is where he writes his final letter to a guy he mentored, to a guy he picked up from scratch. This guy just gave his life to Jesus. He journeyed with Paul. It was Paul, one of his closest friends and his protege. And 2 Timothy is believed to be Paul's last letter he ever wrote. Don't you look at what he says here in his last letter he ever wrote. Most people think that he was in this Roman imprisonment or living in Rome under kinda house arrest at that time when he wrote this. So you're seeing in Acts 28 what he wrote. And he writes to to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.9, he says, Timothy. Please come to me as soon as you can. Read the Bible slowly. Don't just skirt through things and get past it. This is a man who wanted friendship, who was lonely and wanted his friend Timothy to come. And he says, come to me as soon as you can. And he shares why. He shares with Timothy what he's going through personally. And most people, you know, understand that Paul probably didn't think this letter here would be read and circulated through churches. He probably didn't think this letter would be canonized in the Bible and that over 2,000 years later we'd be reading it. This is a personal letter to a protege. He's just shared with his protege the previous verses about how he wants him to to stand fast and stand strong to doctrine and really follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And then he says this to him personally, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of his life and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas was someone in other earlier letters that followed Paul and it was journey with Paul. It was one of Paul's closest followers. We've heard about him before. But now at the end of his life, he says, Demas has forsaken me. He's left me. Paul shares with the pain of being betrayed and walked out on. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. And they had to do that. They were part of Paul's team. He says, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he'll be helpful to me in my ministry. Remember that John Mark was the guy that Paul said, Hey, listen, he wants to go home and be with Mama. This is early in Paul's ministry, many, many years ago. He said, Send Mark to Mama and let him let let Mama go make him a home cooked meal. I know this is just too tough on him. And I'll take Barnabas, and he sent Mark away. I mean, mean, excuse me, Mark went with Barnabas, excuse me, and he took Silas. He sent Mark away. And now now he's calling for Mark. Why? Because Barnabas poured into Mark. And now he says, send Mark when you come for he'll be helpful to me in my ministry. He said, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Say that three times fast, right? When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Winter was coming. He was cold. Something physically that he needed. He said, also bring my books and especially my papers. And then don't you look at verse 14, because verse 14 shows the humanity of Paul and the reality of ministry. And this is something I wish I could preach to pastors that were lining up and and said, I want to be in ministry. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. I love that. Paul didn't say, I'm going to get vengeance or I'm going to fight back. He says, the Lord will take care of him. He says, be careful of him for he fought against everything we said. Do you know all of us are going to have an Alexander the coppersmith in our life? And you may have multiple ones in your life that happens it says this he says the first time i was brought before the judge no one came with me everyone abandoned me everyone can you feel the emotion the ethos there in paul's voice that he was left alone in front of a judge all of his buddies deserted him just like jesus all the disciples deserted him he says, but the lord stood with me and gave me strength So that I might preach the good news in all of its entirety to all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and those living in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed at Corinth. I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Now, Sidebar here, I, he said, I left, Paul, I left Trophus sick. People who just believe in, like, faith healing, that you should always be healed all the time, of everything, um, this should bring calls to caution, uh, uh, pause to caution there with this, because he, Paul, who prayed for people and they got healed, Right? remember his handkerchief healed people? Here he left his friends sick, because it's not up to us to heal people, it's up to the Lord's grace and mercy upon each person who is sick when we pray for them. He says, do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus sends you greetings, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. May the Lord be with your spirit, and may his grace be with all of you. What Paul does here is he opens his heart up to Timothy, his friend. He reflects upon what people did to him that harmed him and hurt him. He reflects and talks about being betrayed. People leaving him and abandoning him. I got your back, Pastor, and they did know where to be looked at, right? Paul felt that pain of people that said, i will always be with you. And in his worst moments, they deserted him. He opens his heart up to Timothy. And what he does here in this passage is something that you and I, let me tell you, do not glaze over on Labor Day weekend with this. Because this may be one of the most important messages that will ever impact your life according to the health and quality of your mental health and your relationships and your walk with God. What Paul does here is he reflects. He pauses and talks about people who heard him, people who stood with him, what he really needed from his buddy Timothy. Even with Mark, you see kind of an admission of, hey, I may have messed up with Mark. I really need him and it's beautiful and again if you look at the Bible as some other just religious book it separates itself because of this passage here you see the leading person beyond Jesus Christ or the Apostle Paul the leading person saying look at my heart I hurt it's painful Timothy please I need a friend visit me and I want you to understand this about your life guys reflection will determine your future direction Personal reflection will determine your future direction. See, we're taught, forget about your past, just shove it down. And what we do is we don't take time to reflect because it brings up hurtful feelings. And if you're always just pushing your past aside, or you're blaming your ex, or you're blaming your your problems on somebody else and you're always just doing that then can i tell you yes if you choose to just push your past and suppress it history will repeat itself and i don't want that to happen with you i want you and i to have a high quality relationship with god and all of us relationships matter to have a high quality of relationships and i believe so many of us struggle on deep levels with relationships because we have taken painful trauma of our past, that thing that happened to you when you were young, your most painful memories of what you went through, what was said to you, what was done, and we shove it down. And then we wonder why everybody we get close to, we can never have a high quality relationship. It's because we refuse to reflect. And if we refuse to reflect and look upon those things, we will never get to where God wants wants us at. That's why reflection Will determine your future direction and that's what paul did he reflected he looked back he said these are the things here timothy that's, that's happened to me this is what's going on with me and i need someone to be with me here's what paul reflected on. i want you to think about this in your own life the first thing paul reflected on was friendship he says only luke is with me bring mark when you come for he'll be helpful to me in my ministry and he asked timothy to come One of the things you have to do, and we'll get to this in a few minutes, is you have to reflect upon the good and the bad, but you need to reflect upon faithful friends in your life. There's nothing that can compare to a faithful friend, I'm telling you. I've got people who have journeyed with me for over 20 years. They don't get butt hurt, excuse my language, they don't get easily offended, they see me at my worst and at my best, and they choose to journey with me and you've got to take time don't just focus on those who walk away focus on those who chose to stay because if you just focus on amen if you just focus on those who walked away from you and who deserted you you're gonna be bitter as i've said before if you'll focus on those who have stayed with you who are there with you who will listen to you then you'll get better in your life and paul focused on friendship people who meant something to him he was not a lone ranger the second thing that paul chose to reflect on was facing the reality of desertion and pain. Facing the reality of desertion and pain. He says in verse 10 that Demas had deserted me for he loves the things of this life. Paul was saying, pleasure meant more to Demas than I did. And it hurt Paul. He says he's gone to Thessalonica, Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatian. Then he skips verse 14, he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The second thing Paul shares is the reality of desertion and pain. That was true for him, it was true for Jesus, and I hate to say this, but it's going to be true for me and you. If you think you'll escape this life without ever facing that, then the only way to ever do it is never have a friend, to never trust anybody, and that's a lonely prison to be in. Many of us have never learned the power of forgiveness or trust, and what we do is we build this wall up around our hearts and we say, you know what, I will never let anybody in again because of what somebody in the past did to me. I will never let them, I will never get close to anyone again like that. You know what happens? It's not walls to keep them out, it's walls for a prison to keep you in. That you'll never be able to experience the beauty of intimacy and the beauty of friendship and the beauty of joy with other believers and other people if you keep that built up. And can I tell you, I have faced I, mean, I could sit here and share story after story after story with you of desertion, of pains, of lies, of gossip, of people who said, I got your back, and then they, they turned their back. I know that, if you've been through it, I know it hurts. I've been through a divorce, I know it hurts. I have everything you've experienced, I've probably been on some level too, and the beautiful thing is Jesus has. And Paul went through it. But you've gotta face that, guys. You can't shove that down and forget about it. You've got to allow yourself to reflect upon it. The next thing that Paul focuses on this and talks about with reflection is he focuses on the word of God when he reflects. He says, when you come, bring the coat I left of Carpus at Troas. Remember when you go into Roman imprisonment, they're going to take your coat from you. Take your And Paul was just probably too independent to say, no, I want to keep my coat. He'd rather ask Timothy to bring it. And he says, also bring my books, especially my papers, things there the scholars believe number one his books was the Old Testament what we call the Old Testament which was the Jewish law prophets and Torah so he could study they didn't have a New Testament maybe it was some of the letters that he had written and it circulated back to him where there were other copies of it or maybe the papers there were more writing that he wanted to do but he in his last days said I want to reflect upon the Word of God I want to reflect upon the writings and the things that I'm reading the books he wanted to invest in himself even when he was facing death row on his last days. And can I tell you this? You must reflect upon the word of God too. Look at the word, reflect upon it, hunger after it. And the final thing that he does, and I love this here, he reflects upon the faithfulness of God. Because if you just focus on people who deserted you, if you just focus on pain, if you just focus on all those negatives and not the faithfulness of God, you'll never enter the future that God has for you. And I love what Paul says. Like he says, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. I love what he says next. This is beautiful. Because this is not us. We'd be like, yeah, forget them. Right? At my worst, you deserted me. So you know what? Peace out. You go do you. I don't need you anymore. I'll take care of myself. Paul said, may it not be counted against him. And then the next statement is the faithfulness of God. He says, but the Lord stood with me. And gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Paul took time to reflect upon friendship, upon desertion and pain, upon the word of God and the faithfulness of God. You've got to focus on the the bad things in life. You do need to look at your trauma. Look at the things that hurt you. Because history will repeat itself if you don't but you also need to look at the faithfulness of god that's what paul did but here's my fear guys because we're taught a lot of times not meaning to especially in christianity hey listen forget your past just forget the things that are behind you in some ways yes you do need to but in other ways you don't and here's what i want you to understand and write down today because this is very important if we don't honestly reflect on our past by sharing our deep feelings then we will ransack our future if you don't reflect, you're gonna ransack. If you don't reflect, you're gonna ransack. And none of us in here want a bad future, do we? Does anybody here say, hey listen, I just want my future to be really bad. I wanna have terrible relationships. I wanna make sure I am like, always going through job after job, that nobody likes me, and I get close to somebody, that I go off on. If you don't reflect upon your deep feelings, and that's what's gonna happen, you've got to do that. Look at those, those feelings. Here's one of the reasons you have to look at the bad things too. And you have to survey the pain. And the reason is there's something called the fading effect bias. The fading effect bias tells us this, that the the old days were much better than we really think they are. We forget the pain of what happened, so we want to walk back into that. Why would somebody go back into a toxic relationship? Fading effect bias. Well, it wasn't really that bad. Well, they didn't really mean it. Why do alcoholics go back to, to alcoholism? Well, you know, I mean, it really—I mean, I wasn't really that bad off. I mean, you know, a couple drinks here are not going to hurt me too bad. And they forget about that—that—that that, that alcohol destroyed their life. They forget how bad it really was. Prescription meds—that's something is an epidemic in America. Destroyed their life, lost their job, lost their family. Pornography. Why would somebody go back to that after losing everything? they ruining intimacy in their marriage, fading effect bias. And can I tell you, if you don't reflect up on your past and look at the things that were harmful, that were painful, even things that you did, then you will repeat yourself once again. You have to survey those. It's like my son. Um, so um, one day, back, you know, we, had, we had ladies who would come clean the house about once a month. They would come in, and um, I came in one day after they were cleaning. They had a whole bunch of things on the counter, on a paper towel. And and they weren't really good with English or really. They said, "Hey, you know, here." I was like, "Where'd you get those?" They picked the couch cushions up. And said it was in the couch cushions. It was all Dawson's vitamins. <laughs> he gets fiber. He gets probiotic because I'm gonna tell you a little secret. He also eats good foods. I'm tell you a little secret. A lot of depression, and anxiety come because you, you're not feeding your gut biome. Let me just tell you that your life will be changed if you eat fruit and vegetables and probiotics. Sidebar. So my son learned it. He he and vitamin C, zinc his multivitamin, all of those were stuffed in the couch. Because he didn't like the taste of them. So he comes home to school that day and I have them all sitting out there. I said, hey buddy, I said, um, can you tell me about this? And his face was like, he said, I'm sorry, dad. I just, I don't like them. I stuffed them in the couch. And I said, here's the thing. You can stuff them in the couch all you want to. Number one, that's wasted a lot of money. And I don't like that. I said, but here's the thing. You're only hurting yourself. You're not hurting me. These things may taste bad but these things are meant to help you. I said, do you like being sick? He's like, no. I said, then don't eat these and you'll be sick all the time because your health is in your gut, dude. I'm trying to help you. Guess what he chose to do from that day forward? He chose to eat the thing that tasted bad that helped him become healthy. That's what we do with our memories of our past. We shove them under the couch. We don't let the way they taste and we pretend they never existed. I'm fine. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm great knowing deep down inside you're not. And I want to encourage you today, do not shove those under the proverbial pillows of your couch because it will come back to bite you at the most inopportune times. And so here's what you have to do. Here's what Paul did. Here's what we have to do. We have to express the fullness of our feelings when we're facing pain. We have to express the fullness of our feelings when we're expressing pain. What do you mean by that, Kevin? Kevin. When you begin to talk about your past and some of the earliest memories of trauma and things you went through, when you talk about what happened with that previous relationship or that addiction, you need to talk about how it made you feel. When you lost the job, lost the relationship, when you lost that thing, when you went through this thing, when you went through that, whatever it was in your life. Experience the fullness of those feelings. Don't say, the Lord's good, I'm blessed and highly favored. You're just shoving your vitamins under the couch. And then every relationship you get into, you know what happens? You project upon that person. You look at them and you see your dad who hurt you, who wasn't there. You see that ex, you see that, and you're taking it out on your spouse. You're like, man, I ain't done anything. (laughs) Why are you yelling at me? Because you've never expressed, experienced the fullness of that pain. You're like, no, 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 it just tastes too bad. I'm going to shove it under the couch. You need to express how that really made you feel. And every time it comes up, feel the feeling. You know the danger of alcohol? And most alcoholics don't become alcoholics because it's even genetic. They don't become alcoholics because it's you know, it's something that that, that, that they just need to stop doing. And if you are dealing with someone who deals with alcoholism, telling them to stop doing that is the worst advice you could ever do them. Shaming them is the worst advice ever. It only makes them go into deeper Bouts of alcoholism. They just they feel terrible, they will drink more. Here's what they're doing. There's childhood trauma they never dealt with. There's pain that they've dealt with, with whatever it is. And that's about alcoholics, I'm talking about anybody overeating anything else, but especially alcohol. You know what alcohol does? It numbs you to the feelings that you have where you don't have to think about it. And that's dangerous. Because if you never experience and and be able to name your feelings and what you're going through, you'll never heal from it. And so I wanna encourage you, I don't know what your thing is, where you're numbing your mind to that, numbing your emotions to those feelings. Men are really bad at this, but if you don't sit down with the Lord, if you don't sit down with a good therapist and really talk about how it made you feel, talk about the pain, the hurt, what you were going through, then what's gonna happen is history will continue to repeat itself in your life. And you'll never see the quality that you want You've got to deal with, Paul talked about the things that he hurt with. He didn't hide those, he didn't shove them under the pillow. So how do you do it, guys? Here's three things that will help you with this. The first one is this, go to a friend that you can fully vent with. And kind of tell a little secret I've said before, Facebook is not a friend. All my, I mean, all your secrets and everything, but don't do that not helpful for anybody not even you you can write a letter and put in an envelope but find somebody you can talk to that's a friend I've said it before about finding your circle you need a friend you need somebody to talk to right That you can just vent with and be open with and they fully receive and accept you no matter what you've done or what you've been through that's what Paul did he said Timothy come to me as quick as you can make sure Mark comes to I need some people in my life because I'm thinking about things that hurt me. I'm thinking about those people that did me wrong. Come and hang out with me. Come and let me just vent to you and talk to you. The second thing that you have to do is this. Express the pain of the past, as I just said. Express the pain of the past. When you're with a friend or even a therapist, I'm going to tell you, again, I will say this to the cows come home. Everybody needs a good therapist fully express amen fully express the pain of the past talk to them about how bad it hurt open yourself up be vulnerable be honest that's what paul did alexander the coppersmith i don't know what he did to paul but he shouldn't have because he's in the bible forever (laughs) and maybe he repented maybe he gave his life to jesus maybe he was a pastor one day we don't know but none of us like alexander the coppersmith anymore do we we were like, I don't know what type of metal you worked on or made, but you were a mean person. I don't like you. what you did to Paul. Like, but Paul expressed that. This guy hurt me. This guy betrayed me. This guy fought against the ministry that I had. And he expressed the pain of his past. And then finally, as I said earlier, focus on the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Yes, look at your past. Survey your past. Talk about how bad that hurt. Talk about what it felt like when you felt abandoned when you were a child or neglected, abused, whatever you went through. But don't just stay there. Because it's the faithfulness and the goodness of God that will bring you into the next season of your life. How good the Lord has been to you. That He was there through everything that you faced. Paul said that everyone abandoned me. At my lowest I got your back, Pastor. And he looks around and nowhere behind him, at his lowest. Paul didn't get bitter. He didn't get angry. He said, man, I'm going tell you something. The Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. And you got to realize that to focus on the faithfulness of God in your past and the goodness of God for your future. Because the Lord does have good plans for you. And you don't have to continue wrestling what you're wrestling with over and over and over again. The Lord will meet you, and He can heal you and work with you to see to see quality that you've never seen before. So I want to pray for you this morning, whether you're online, watching, or here physically. I want to pray for you. Father, all of us have been through extreme pain. We've all faced things of our past that hurt. I pray that we would stop burying them under the couch of our life and saying we're good. I pray that we would stop, Lord, minimizing what happened to us. I pray, Lord, that we would fully embrace and express the pain of what happened, that we would revisit painful memories, and that we would stop numbing ourselves to them through all types of things in our life, Lord. But Lord, we would, for the first time ever, some of us fully express those, the people around us stop having to pay for it. I pray for healing in every person today. I pray, God, that you would meet them and that stories would just flow out of Thrive Church, Lord, of how you met each person in their pain and their trauma and you applied the balm of Gilead to their wounded souls as you say, Lord God, in Jeremiah that you desire for us to be whole, Lord, not broken, not full of unforgiveness, not full of bitterness, but whole to experience all the goodness that you have for us. So right now, Lord, I pray for that. And I pray, Lord, that we would shift also our focus as we express the pain of the past we would look toward your faithfulness in the past and your goodness for the future, Father. I pray that, Lord. May today be the first day for some people on their journey to healing in the ways they've never experienced. Thank you, Lord. And as we're praying today, Lord, in this mode of prayer and worship, maybe whether you're online or you're in here physically, maybe you walked away from your faith or you went dormant in your faith with Jesus. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. Maybe you are hurt. Maybe someone hurt you so deeply you just kind of put God at arm's length. I don't know what your story is. But I do know this, your heavenly Father is reaching His arms out to you saying, I want an intimate relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I'm not mad with you. And He's calling you right now to relationship, to salvation. Or maybe you've never made this decision or prayed this prayer. That's you. Today's your day. I want you right where you're sitting, whether you're watching online or here physically, pray this prayer after me. You say, God. I need Jesus. I need the Savior. For I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. I believe he is Lord. I repent and turn from my old life, my old ways of thinking, my old ways of living, and I receive forgiveness in Jesus. I confess Jesus as my Lord today. And it's in Jesus' good name that I pray. Amen. Amen.